This is the Build Your Path podcast, where we explore how people get into their careers in the built environment. Today's guest is Michael Regal. Michael is an author, coach, consultant, trainer, speaker, and mentor, and is currently the director of AEC Business Strategies. Today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by Southway Builders, built with integrity. Welcome on into the Build Your Path podcast, hosted by myself, Matthew Pine. I am with my guest today. Mike Regal. And I would say the coolest thing I've ever done in my career is uh, being on the finish line of the New York City Marathon. Uh, The one and only time Fred LeBeau, who was the founder of the New York City Marathon, actually ran it. And he came across with uh, Greta Waits, who at the time was probably the best female marathoner in the world. So, uh, Michael, welcome to the show today. Thank you. Thank you for uh, having me. Yeah, appreciate you being here. Um, So for our listeners, you know, give us an introduction about yourself, who you are, what you do. Great. Um, So I I will sort of separate into two things because who I am and what I do are probably, uh, there's probably a little bit of a difference. Um, uh, Who I am. So I am uh, a consultant. Um, I started off my career working for consulting engineering firms, construction management firms. Um, I'm also a, a professional coach. Um, So I work with executives and and organizations to help their leaders become uh, essentially better people managers. I'm also an author. Uh, I wrote a book for uh, trade contractors. It's called Build Like the Big Primes. Um, I'm also a trainer. So I run workshops for technical professionals. Uh, I'm also a father of two. I've got two kids who are in college. Uh, I'm a husband uh, and I'm an amateur baker. So those, that's sort of who I am. Um, and what I do essentially is I work with professionals to support their growth. Um, and that's both individuals as well as business owners um, uh, at all stages of their careers. Perfect. So talk about the pathway that you paved for yourself. Um, getting to, you know, where you are now, maybe in your schooling, your early life, how that kind of all came together. Sure. So um, I would say I probably had a little bit of a non-traditional approach and and entree into the industry. Um, I was, you know, to be honest, I was, uh, grew up in the suburbs and, and no one in the suburbs was, you know, in the high school was saying you should go into construction you should go into construction management. It just wasn't a um, a career path that was really that was really uh, put forward. Um, so I went to uh, school up in Boston, Wentworth Institute, which in the this goes back third, you know, over thirty years at this point, um, was one of the few construction management programs. Um, so I went to college for construction management. Um, ended up working for a variety of organizations and companies um, in the industry. Um, but if I look back on it now, I always had an aptitude and an interest in things like Legos, erector sets. Um, and I give my dad a lot of credit for um, teaching me about tools. You know, so I probably had an early um, informal education uh, in terms of construction, fixing things, um, getting comfortable with getting my hands dirty. Um, and that probably was the if I look back on it now, probably the, the earliest stages of sort of interest in, in an industry that is 
very much about creativity and building things. So have you had a, a mentor in your life and have they shaped your career at all? So I would say um, yes and. <laughs> so yes, yes, I've had a mentor and, and I've had multiple mentors, right? So mentors um, sort of come in and out of your life at different stages. And um, in many respects, I've had different mentors for different purposes. So I would say probably the the first mentor uh, I had was was my first boss, my you know first uh, first job after college. Um, looking back on it now, he's he was probably younger than I am now, um, although he seemed much older. Um, I won't tell him that. Uh, <laughs> but um, but at the time, as a twenty five year old or however old I was, um, you know he was he had taken the leap from working for an organization to starting a firm. Uh, with a partner. So um, he was a great mentor to me. He continues to be a mentor. I still stay in touch with him. Um, and as things come up, I still am able to send him an email, pick up the phone. Um, and I think that there is a part of this, which is about taking control of your career. Um, mm -hmm. So I was interested in growing my career and um, deciding for myself where my career would go. And as a result, I, I identified people who I emulated um, and people who had different had uh, similar philosophies to uh, to mine, um, who were further along in their careers than I was, um, and where I could pick their brains and, and understood that um, by developing a relationship. And I think that mentoring really comes down to uh, developing a relationship. Mm -hmm. um, they are people who I can still now um, count on for advice, uh, assistance, whatever else I might be. Perfect. Yeah, I know you, you've mentioned before, you know, how important it is for um, you to have a mentor, but also to have the entrepreneurial spirit and you know, kind of pave your own way. So I think that's important, too. So talk about your passion for the industry specifically. I know um, AEC Business, Business Strategies is the company that you work for, but uh, talk about your passion for the industry. So it, it's an interesting, you know, I've, I've been in a number of different areas of the industry. So as I said, I, I started off my career as a transportation planner. Um, so I saw that one aspect of the industry. So that was the, in that regard, I saw the early stages of how a project comes together. Um, I've worked for construction management companies where we were representing an owner and were responsible for making sure a project got delivered. Um, there is something exciting and tangible about construction projects um, because, you know, I, I still drive by places and I will point them out to my kids uh, and they are probably sick of hearing, you know, I worked on that project, um, but there's something very tangible and, and um, consequential about uh, buildings. There's also a lot of creativity associated with it, right? We don't necessarily think about engineering and construction as being creative fields, uh, but in many respects, there's a lot of creativity that goes into it from a planning and design um, and execution perspective, which I think is, is uh, fascinating as well. And I think that the, the other piece is there are just some awesome and talented people associated with the construction industry. And I think that um, the, the people who don't quite recognize or understand who works in the industry would um, they miss out on something because there's just a whole group of folks there 
who are smart as a whip uh, and are interesting and, and you want to talk to them and learn about them. And uh, for me, um, as much as it is about building, it's about the people as well and really being able to, um, to really uh, tap into to that energy that comes along with it. So I know you said you're a father of two, um, you know, talk about, you know, if you have passion working with young people, uh, maybe any career advice you would give to those entering the industry. Yeah. So that, so people entering the industry. Um, uh, so there's a couple of things I always seem to fall back on when I talk to, to people who are earlier on, early on in their careers. Um, and I think that one of them is ask questions right? Be willing to seem a little vulnerable, to admit that you don't necessarily know everything. Um, the last thing your boss wants is to have somebody who works for them who thinks they know everything, but doesn't actually know what they're, <laughs> doesn't actually know everything. Um, so, so part of it is ask questions, right? Be curious. Um, second is recognize that everyone fails at some point, right? Failure is an, inevitab an, an inevitability, yeah, inevitability. Um, and if you start to think about failure as sort of a co-pilot with success, right? Failure is your best learning opportunity, right? Mm -hmm. So don't fear failure because everyone does it. Um, what you want to try and avoid is failing and then trying to cover it up because that's when you start to probably get yourself in trouble. Um, I think some of the other things I see and hear in the industry, uh, which probably would, would help um, people who might be interested in, um, whether it's the construction industry or really any industry, is there are stereotypes, right? So I hear it um, as somebody who is mid-career, mid to late career, uh, I guess. Um, I hear the stereotypes about millennials, right? And right, so from older generations, they think millennials are, there's this stereotype of being entitled, wanting to progress quickly, right? Whatever it may be. Um, however, that older generation may not also recognize that millennials are coming with a much different skill set, right? Much more technically adept, grew up with technology, can catch on to things. And I think that's where good organizations start to think about mentoring as a two-way street. Right? So there can be mentoring from older professionals to younger professionals um, in terms of career pathing and some of those um, kinds of issues. And there can be mentoring from a younger generation to an older generation in terms of adoption of technology. So I think that those are, those are a couple of things in terms of the stereotypes. And I think that the other stereotype that I see specifically within the construction industry is the idea around... Um, people who decide to make their careers with their hands, right? The fact that there is this sense of, um, because somebody does not necessarily have a formal education or does not have a, an advanced education, that's a, a, a mark of intelligence. And I will tell you that I have run into some of the smartest people um, who I have ever worked with. Um, and they are never went any to school beyond high school. Um, so I had, I'll give you one, Quick example, I worked for National Grid, which is a utility in New York. Um, I worked with somebody who had graduated high school. Two weeks later, he was working for them um, at 18 years old. 40 years later, he still worked there, right? At 58 years old, he had 40 years of experience. He was one of the smartest people I'd ever met. Um, intuitive, 
uh, right sharp and um, had probably forgotten more about the industry than I would ever know. So th those were a couple of things. Uh, if I had to give any more advice, um, you know, it's the adage of uh, God gave you two ears and one mouth. So listen twice as much as you speak. <laughs> and um, perhaps the last one is it's not always about the money, right? So the money will eventually come as you start to figure out your career path and your passion, the money will follow. Um, so that if you're early on in your career, the idea about job, jumping from job to job for a few dollars an hour um, sometimes doesn't necessarily actually put you that much further forward. Great advice. I, I think it also goes kind of part and parcel with my next question, which is what makes the industry attractive to those millennials? What makes it attractive to the, the Gen Z or is just starting out? Uh, so I think that there is a part of this, which is, there, there is what seems from the outside to be a very sort of staid, um, unchanging kind of industry um, hides a lot of innovation, right? So if we start to think about construction now versus construction 30 years ago when I started, um, lead certification didn't, right? There was no lead certification, right? There was no idea, no real conception or emphasis placed on energy efficiency, on technology, on, um, on some of those things. So there's a what seems like a very stable and unchanging industry really hides a lot of innovation. Um, it's just hidden under the surface. Uh, maybe the industry is not great about promoting that for a younger generation to, to get them interested. So I think that that's one thing. Um, there's this continual regeneration, right? So it's um, society changes, right? So we are starting to see more people who want to live in denser locations as opposed to, right? So the, the suburbs, which grew out of the 50s, um, and you had sort of the flight out to the suburbs, everyone wanted their patch of grass. Um, and then by the time you got to the 80s, 90s, you were dealing with all kinds of traffic. And then you had the contraction of people wanting to move back to urban centers because they wanted to be a little more compact and have a different kind of lifestyle. So there's this constant change and flux within society and it impacts how we how we deal with construction through all aspects of construction from planning to design to execution and and all the way through uh, i think the what should attract people uh, young people to the industry we hear about um infrastructure week right it it, it becomes a little bit of a of a um uh perhaps a little bit of a bad joke but if you start to think about the needs that we have in this country. There are needs in this country which are greater than we will ever be able to satisfy in the next 20 years, right? This is massive investment. Um, and there's gonna be investment both from the public sector and private sector um, in terms of how do we rebuild our, rebuild our country from the inside out? And that is water systems, uh, utilities, highways, bridges, tunnels, airports, um, you know, all the way through, right? There's, there is essentially nothing that construction doesn't ultimately touch when you start to think about infrastructure. And even that goes to things like broadband, which is a hot topic now about bringing broadband to across the country. Um, that's really, a, right, that impacts the construction industry. There is, there, there is very little that we do in this country, which is of that scale, which doesn't um, really 
not just touch tangentially, really get um, the construction industry involved. And I think, so I think that's part of it. And I think the other part is it allows, it allows people to be part of the solution, right? It's, it's um, as you start to think about what your focus is, what your interest is, there's an opportunity to be part of the solution in moving society forward, moving the industry forward, doing things differently. Uh, my last question for you is something that you alluded to a little bit earlier, but I think you're the perfect man to answer it. Uh, <laughs> what, what makes a company successful just beyond financial success? So, so I work with a lot of small companies and I work with a lot of big companies. Um, there, there are probably some markers and attributes that are similar to, to a lot of them. I think the when I think about the companies I've worked for and the companies um, where I've worked for them directly or companies that I consult with, um, I think that the, the things that make those kinds of companies successful are the ones that are um, as much about their employees as they are about the individual projects. So there's a, there's, there's a part of this which is about employee engagement, right? Mm -hmm. And employee engagement is, is really about investing Right, investing in your employees, so they're going to invest in you, um, and it and it brings in issues of longevity um, and reputation. Right, so reputationally, um, the companies that do well and do the right thing um, are successful way beyond just the dollars and cents. Right, so they've got a, a good reputation in the industry because the regulators know that they're doing the right thing. The compliance officers know they're doing the right thing. They don't ever get you know, uh, called into question, right? So that's, that's a measure of success, mm -hmm. which is hard, to, is hard to measure in dollars and cents. So I'll go back to the early, the early days of my career. Uh, and I had the, the guy who was my mentor, uh, who I still talk to, they used to talk about the, the New York Times rule. Um, and it was sort of the idea that you don't want to do anything that if it were published on the front page of the New York Times, you would be embarrassed about, mm -hmm. right? So those companies that, that kind of live and breathe that, that ethos mm -hmm. um, are the ones that are successful beyond dollars and cents. Um, they end up probably having an impact on the industry. Um, they certainly have an impact on their employees longer term, right? So 30 years later, I'm still quoting um, somebody who was who was talking to me as a as a you know fresh college graduate, right? So there's that impact and there's that longevity, um, and there's the you know the interest in in doing doing good and doing well at the same time. Perfect. Um, thank you so much, Michael, for uh, for being on the show. If people want to learn more about you, what you do, maybe about your book, uh, where can they go? So they can come find me uh, on my website, aecbusinessstrategies.com, or you can find me on LinkedIn. I am uh, always willing to, uh, to take a, a connection request. And uh, if I can be helpful, certainly willing to, uh, to do so for, uh, for the next generation who are coming into the industry. Thank you so much again. We appreciate having you on the show. No problem. Thanks for having me. If you want to learn more about Build Your Path podcast or the built environment overall, go ahead and visit buildyourpath.org. Another big thank you to our guest, Michael Regal from AEC Business Strategies. Once again, this episode was brought to you by Southway Builders, built with integrity. 
Poacher Path podcasts are produced by the Maryland Center for Construction, Education, and Innovation. I'm Matt Pine. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you soon.